I was kind of behind on like getting stuff on Anchor and that. So I did like, I think three episodes to Anchor this week and two to YouTube. So I just, I don't remember which is, you know what I mean? They get yeah. kind of blurry anyway. Like people will be like, oh, I watched this week's and da da da. And I'm like, and you're like, which one was saying this week? that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but cool. That's awesome. Sounds I know. Good. And Matt was asking me last night, he's like, what number is this? Is this, is this 12? And I was like, Mm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Middle-ish, the podcast about moderation in all things. I am Erin Green. And I am Michael Gray. How's it going? And we, I'm, oh, I'm great. We just figured off. out. Are we going to talk over each other all day? I think this is a whole podcast would just be this. <laughs> <laughs> just talking over each other. <laughs> Every time someone dies. I was just going to point out that we just figured out that this is lucky number 13 episode. Mm-hmm. Episode 13, which is really cool. Like I was yeah. really excited when we got into double digits. That felt like, okay, this is like a for real thing. So, you know, like, like, I mean, 10 weeks into something that's significant and yeah. Yeah, just like 13. It's pretty rad. Pretty excited. Yeah, it's a, it's a milestone. Yeah, for sure. So, oh, yeah. I love that we've been so consistent about it. And and mm-hmm. Matt has told me several times that he's impressed with our consistency. Um, like if we have a scheduling hiccup or something and then we need to mm-hmm. move a recording, um, he's like, oh, so you guys, you guys are still on track then. You guys still have enough. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, and we have a couple in the bank. So if we mm-hmm. need to, you know, if anything happens... Yeah. And I don't know if I told you this, but one time, uh, I don't know, after like maybe the third or fourth episode, he was, we were talking over dinner and he just goes, you know, I'm really impressed with how you guys have just hit the ground running with this. And nice. you know what's the coolest part though, is how little help you've needed from me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he's so uh, happy to not be involved. <laughs> For those listeners who don't know, my husband is a videographer and photographer and uh, probably one of the most avid YouTubers that I know in terms of like watching and um, he's always like learning about the latest tech and like audio and video and all this stuff. And so when we started this podcasting endeavor, um, I was... I don't know, nearly as much as Matt does. And so I think he was a little bit worried because I was asking him questions and he was like, oh shit, I'm going to have to do all this work. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm impressed with how little we've needed his help, to be honest. Like I, yeah. I was like prematurely feeling bad. Like when we first started talking about this and he was doing so much legwork as far as like here's yeah. some camera options and lighting options and all that. I was already feeling bad for how much we were going to need him. <laughs> you know, like I was like ready for the, I'm really sorry, man. Thank you so much. Like I was just ready to do that. And it's gone pretty yeah. well. But yeah. Yeah. I'm, su- I'm surprised at <laughs> how well we've got this thrown together. Yeah. With both of us You're- like not really knowing what we're doing. You're doing the editing and I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing a few little like housekeeping things, I think, and like keep making us on schedule. spreadsheets, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> calendars of content, whatever. Otherwise, I'd be like, um, uh, what are we talking about? What are we, are we doing? Uh, oh, come on. You're still like hip. that. <laughs> you do that anyway. 
<laughs> it would be worse. It would be worse. You don't want to know the experience that. <laughs> so yeah, number 13. This number is 13. a good place to be. Thanks mm-hmm. for listening, you guys. Yeah. I appreciate it. You do. So things are going well. You're good. You want to jump right in? You got anything I'm to great. share? Yeah. Um, not really. Um, just kind of doing, I mean, I want to say I'm like, oh, you know, life isn't like boring or anything. I mean, I'm doing some cool stuff in terms of, I've got a couple projects I'm working on um, professionally that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm hoping if all goes to plan, this could be a really um, fulfilling kind of journey for me in terms of, I'm very passionate about helping the next generation of of up and coming athletes. So mm-hmm. adolescent females specifically, just because of the, you know, different pressures that, um, young women have and, and especially through that adolescent and pre-adolescent stage, um, some of the implications with nutrition and, you know, self-esteem and confidence. And so I, um, attended this virtual clinic. It was supposed to be live of course, but you know, it was virtual and they did a great job. It was through Wildwood running out of Portland. And these uh, two women basically put on this workshop that was just, I mean, it really surpassed my expectations. Um, we talked, you know, psychology and food relationship. We talked, um, injury prevention, like from a strength and conditioning standpoint for young athletes and the kinds of things they need to focus on. We talked to different coaches and the different, um, you know, uh, aspects of working with young athletes. Anyway, to make a long story short, I've got a fire lit under my hiney now to get (laughs) working on some of this stuff that I really want to do for young athletes. And, um, I have an opportunity to work with, uh, some, with the challenged athletes foundation here, um, in Idaho has some athletes that are going to do this, uh, cycling event called the smoke and fire 400 Mm -hmm. and it is a 400 mile i mean some could call it a race but most people just finishing just doing this because it's like i mean multiple days it's 400 miles on a bike and you're bike packing Mm -hmm. so you're you can choose i mean it goes through some towns and so you can choose to stay in a hotel Mm -hmm. or whatever along the way but um anyway uh, there's a relay team of people that are, uh, there's one guy in a hand cycle. There's a couple that are like, you know, uh, you know, amputees or, or whatever, somehow, um, uh, affiliated with challenged athletes. And so they've asked me to do a nutrition seminar for the, for this team, you know, going into the smoke and fire. Awesome. And I actually, I have a funny story. From this weekend, we uh, Matt and a friend of mine did this long hundred mile gravel ride. Mm-hmm. And before y'all accuse me of not being middle-ish, we took it like super like chill. We even stopped for lunch. And this is my funny story. I I've done so many long rides where my fueling was like calculated down to the the 15 minute increments that I would eat and the number of ounces I would drink and mm. whatever. So very fine tuned. Yeah. And this was such a casual like adventure ride that I was like, oh, we'll stop for lunch. There's this place like out in the boonies in Idaho that you can like stop and have some lunch. And mm-hmm. we all had like chicken strips and fries and we still had like three and a half hours to ride. 
Let me just say, I will not be advocating for that fueling option. (laughs) Did you not feel properly fueled? (laughs) I did not feel great. Believe it or not, fried, breaded, (laughs) you know, protein and carbs just did not sit well in my stomach. So anyway, even the experts make mistakes, people. So So. that's keeping it middle. It's just extreme ride, right? But then... So it just but then I can still put them together and-, <laughs> and it's very, it's right in the middle, you know? Exactly. So yeah, that's my update. We can, we can make fun of me more, but. That's fine. I'm good with that. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I'm good. If you were going to ask, I'm doing great. I was going to ask. Um, so thank you for letting me ask. Uh, no, there, no, nothing here. <laughs> We're still in the, no, we're still waiting to get, you know, all that stuff patched house up fixed. in our ceiling and roof and stuff. Yeah. It's hopefully by the end of next week, it'll be done. That's our hope. So it's not that huge of a deal. I mean, we have a couple holes in our ceiling and a bathroom, but it's fine. You know, it's more the noise and just the wishing it was just done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then because it's so humid and the leak was in the attic, like, Sometimes in the kitchen, you get that humidity from the attic that comes down, Ooh. you know, so you'll be like standing there and be like, it's so hot and humid all of a sudden, just kind of comes straight down the wall. But that's Casper that lives in the attic. That's probably that's what, what that is. is. That's probably what yeah. that is. Because ghosts are hot. Friendly ghosts. <laughs> Friendly ghosts, but they got, they aren't run they hot. Be, aren't they supposed to be cold? I don't know. Like probably. Oh, I have one more thing to share with you. Okay. And our, our viewers. And if you're mm. not a viewer, I'll a describe. Oh, that's cool. This is, this is a color book, a coloring book of cats. That's pretty It's cool. a little psychedelic looking, right? Yeah, it is. It looks pretty but, fun. Um, look, stay positive. <laughs> Isn't that cute? So I've yeah, got, I almost spit um, my coffee. <laughs> Just about so, lost it. <laughs> I'm a sucker for a good pun, I'll be honest. I like a good pun. That almost got me. I'm like, whoop. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So for those of you who are not viewing this and you're listening, it's just um, this coloring book all about cats. And I found it in the grocery store yesterday. And it was one of those, like, my inner five-year-old was like, oh, can we get this? Can we, can we get this? Just throw it in the cart. Just, just please, get please, it. Please, 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 please. Mm-hmm. I won't ask for and anything I, else. I'll for um, ever. I've gotten so many questions about my my crayons in the background here that, um, and I'm kind of running out of my, one of my goals was to find a coloring book, you know, with like bicycles and I don't know, things mm-hmm. that interest me. Um, and I just haven't made the effort to look for it. And hey, this one just found me. So nice. Yeah. I'll be now, doing do some you, coloring. Do you put any of your colorings up on the fridge when you're done? I do. <laughs> do you? I love it. I actually, I actually do. I love it. So I told you I've been coloring the Des Linden coloring Mm -hmm. pages that she's put together. And, um, and Des Linden is a, uh, just super accomplished runner, um, and an amazing advocate for women in sport. And, um, I just love her work. And so these coloring pages are just fun kind of reminders of me and, and a little bit, you know, inspirational because they'll have like little messages and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just finished one last week that I was like, and this one's going on the fridge. Heck yeah. I mean, those, like those adult coloring books are so like, they're, 
intense. Like there's a lot going on. There's, there's a lot of work to do them. You know, it's not like just Mickey Mouse or whatever like kids have. It's, yeah, it's an yeah. investment to finish one of those. <laughs> I know. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. And I think it um, kind of leans into our topic today. Segway away. The Aaron. coloring. Segway segue away. Do it. This baby. <laughs> We're talking about this mindfulness. Baby. Oh gosh. <laughs> Michael, are you like slap happy? Usually. <laughs> <laughs> so mindfulness, people. Mindfulness people. We're in a well <laughs> God, you're gonna <laughs> Everything I say is a punchline for Michael today. Okay. So we figure out. All right. All right. Here we go. I'm good now. Time to be professional, Michael. Come on. You can do it. So the topic of mindfulness, it's so broad. And when we put this on our calendar to talk about, we were a little bit like, well, should we kind of break this down into the other, you know, maybe more specific topics to talk about each mm-hmm. uh, in different episodes? Um, but I think we can we can hit all of the, or Mm -hmm. several of the different aspects of mindfulness, at least from our perspectives and how we talk to clients about it. Um, And then if there's interest, if, you know, because we do get feedback sometimes where people are like, hey, I would love for you to delve more into this. Mm -hmm. Um, So if there's interest, if we hit on something that you're like, wow, will you go deeper into that? And can we have a whole episode on it? Then let us know. Absolutely. We'll do it. Absolutely. So I think we'll kind of hit the, like, like you said, the ones that we kind of see are most often kind of problematic for people. Um, but I think kind of the cool thing about mindful eating or not mindful eating, mindfulness is that a lot of the concepts for like being mindful in a relationship is a concept that kind of plays out in how we mindfully eat, you know? Yeah. And so there's kind of like, I think an overarching umbrella of mindfulness that being mindful in specific situations or, or whatever, certain circumstances, they kind of all have some things in common. So even if we don't address something specifically um, that maybe, you know, if you're watching or listening that you would like address, there might be some stuff that you can pull out of just that general mindfulness kind of thing you can apply to your situation. Um, But at the same time, yeah, we'd love to hear you know, other thoughts and if there's things yeah. you can expand on for sure. Yeah. So just looking, I mean, I'm actually looking at the definition um, from Oxford, I think the definition Oxford. of mindfulness. <clears throat> I know if I had my British accent, I would read it that way. Do you have a monocle? <laughs> no, I don't. That would help. I don't think so. You want me to put a quarter in my eye and try and hold it on there? <laughs> I <Fine> to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have one. Oh, there's a coin shortage, so that's why. (laughs) I'll put my blue blockers on for you just to read this part. So I have two definitions here. The quality or state of being conscious or aware of something. Okay, so very straightforward kind Mm of um, definition. And then this one is a little more detailed. And I I actually really like this one because I think it goes into some of what we're going to talk about today. Uh, mindfulness is a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations used as a therapeutic technique. And yeah, when I hear that, um, to me, it makes it a little more specific on how you tune into mindfulness because I think some people get sort of 
like a deer in headlights, you know, when they hear mindfulness, they suddenly start thinking like, well, meditation and I have to be some like yogi and I have to, or I have to pray and be like super spiritual about this or whatever. Um, this actually uses some wording that I really like acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, calmly acknowledging and accepting. Mm -hmm. So there's no judgment. You're just kind of observing how things go. Um, and your bodily sensations, which I think is so important with especially the work we do, mm -hmm. whether it's talking about appetite or exercise, understanding mm -hmm. and, and really being present with what your body is feeling and what your body's telling you um, yeah. at any given moment. Yeah. And I think there, yeah, I like that definition a lot. I don't, I've never, I don't think I've ever read that definition of mindfulness, but I like it. Because um, you didn't go to Oxford. Right. Because I'm an, <laughs> Idiot is what Aaron's saying because I'm not very smart. Can you guys believe the way she treats me? <laughs> not true, not true. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's important to think about mindfulness in that I think there are a couple reasons we maybe lack mindfulness. And I think some of those are external and some of those are internal. And I think the external ones are just distractions, right? Like, uh, like crazy schedules, you know, kids having soccer practice or, you know, um, the way it can be bonkers, you know, if you got kids and doing homeschooling, going into that, um, you know, social media, your phone, there's just a lot of like external stuff that can pull us out of the moment. But I also think sometimes we maybe subconsciously internally don't, um, we avoid being mindful and we keep ourselves distracted because there is the reality that being mindful, um, it exposes some things often, yes. right? Like beliefs we have about ourselves or um, limits we've kind of put on ourselves, or false beliefs we hold or um, being mindful can be not to scare anyone off, but it can be a, a bit scary sometimes, mm -hmm. right? When we are yeah, really paying attention. Yeah, that's a better word, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, because paying attention to ourselves is not something we do very often. And there's a sort of, even if it's working against us, a safety in kind of keeping some things at bay and keeping yeah. ourselves distracted. And, and from, like that definition, it says, from acknowledging, what am I really feeling? What am I really yeah. experiencing here? Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about habits and, you know, building routines and some of these ways that you can put yourself a little bit on autopilot mm -hmm. um, that can work for you. Right. And your brain, as we learned with Brian Fretwell, your your brain likes that sort of habitual, mm -hmm. I don't have to think or like be consciously aware of what's going on. I can just do, 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 do and mm -hmm. go through the motions. Mindfulness takes you out of that automatic, that autopilot kind of thing and really puts you into being aware of what's happening right now. I think one of the cool things about that is, you know, there's um there's a saying that stress is what stress is a product of worrying about the past where anxiety is a product of worrying mm -hmm. about the future, mm -hmm. something like that. I'm probably mm -hmm. messing it up, but you get the point. It's not living in, in the right, right. now. It's thinking right. about what has happened or kind of worrying and stressing about something that did happen in the past or being anxious and worrying and stressing about something in right. the future. That's coming. What happens in the present moment or in with mindfulness practice is it really just tunes all of that 
future and past out of it and says, what's happening right now? What are you experiencing right now? And it doesn't necessarily mean that mindful moments are always going to be pleasant Mm -hmm. because they're not. And in fact, I've experienced some recently, in fact, some mindfulness moments for myself that we're really just acknowledging like, okay, this is really hard right now. And, um, this is a really painful kind of, you know, either emotionally thing for me or um, sometimes with training, if it's like a painful kind of physical thing, sometimes just being present and leaning into that moment can actually help you just um, in a funny way, kind of help you through it. So. No, I agree. And I think there's, you know, I like what you said about, you know, the past and the future and stuff. And I think we, we spend a lot of time living in the past or living in the future and we don't spend a lot of time really present and i i have zero evidence of this i have zero no study this is me just pulling it out but this is just my observation is that i think between living in the past with like regrets and that stress living in the future with anxieties and then just being distracted by whatever I think it's really common for a lot of people to spend very little time throughout the day, if any, in the moment mm-hmm. and being mindful. I think, it's, I think it's often a very, very foreign thing. We don't spend time really immersed in the moments we're in. You know, um, Mary and I were kind of talking about this before we um, started recording, just talking about like, you know, just with phones, like when someone you know, your spouse or kid or someone comes in the room and talks to you and you're on your phone, you know, and you give them the old, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Sounds good. You know, and you're, you're paying just enough attention to like make them think you're paying attention, right? right. But you're really, your attention somewhere else. And even in moments like that, you're not really mindful, you know, you're not really in that moment. And so I think being mindful is just, it's a, it's something we tend to do poorly and we tend to do rarely, um, but man, it's so important yeah. because because you can't you can't you can't fix anything in the past, right? You can't jump into the future and do anything about that. Like and this just sounds cheesy, but like all you have is right now, and so living in those spaces where you can do nothing, right? Man, we're just wasting a lot of time and building up a lot of stuff internally that can be upsetting. Um, but all we have is like, you have this moment right now and what are you going to do with it? And being fully mm-hmm. invested in it tends to really kind of like do away with those stresses and anxieties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Recenter. Mm-hmm. So since you brought up the whole, the phone conversation, we can go into that a little bit more. I'd like to kind of break down how mindfulness can maybe apply to these different areas of life particularly the ones that you and I see, not just Mm -hmm. professionally, but even in our personal lives and and what we have to practice. So you mentioned the whole, the phone thing with Mm -hmm. a spouse or with a family member. So I look at this as being, um, you know, part of your social wellness realm, right? Mm -hmm. So like maintaining relationships and, um, and being present with the people in the room. And this is something that I shared with you before we started recording, but uh, just for our audience, you know, my husband and I have had several conversations about this because I do a lot of work on my phone, whether it's emails or texting clients or social media. Um, and I have a, a bad habit 
that I'm going to work on <laughs> where I, I will have my phone in what I would call common areas. So like the kitchen or, you know, whatever. And my husband will be going through and, and talking to me or he'll ask me something and I'll just be in the phone, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll be like, hold on, just, you know, I just have to finish this thought or I just need to finish this text. And to him, that's saying that whatever is happening on that phone is more important than the present moment and me in this room with you. Right. Right. I'm here, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, my one of my solutions was, okay, I need to not only acknowledge that my husband is here and present and it's really important for me to be present with him mm-hmm. and give him that intention or that attention from me that shows that he's important. Right. But also maybe I could set some boundaries around how I use my phone. Mm-hmm. When I'm at my desk and my workspace, this is where I'm at my computer, at my phone and I'm working. And mm-hmm. so it would be more appropriate for me to be like, just a second, hold that thought. I need to finish this versus if we're like making dinner together and I happen to be like nose in my phone and not mm-hmm. present, which we'll talk about how this gets into the whole food relationship and eating thing in a second. Um, but yeah, that, w- that was an example that we talked about, you know, just being mindful of mm-hmm. not only how it makes him feel, but then how I am interacting with him in those moments. Right. Yeah. And it it's, it's funny when you become more conscious of that. Like for me, being more conscious of putting my phone down when someone talks to me makes me realize how it feels more natural to continue to look at my phone. You know, like, <laughs> oh, this feels like the weird thing I'm doing now. This is significant, <laughs> you know, versus like it's just, it's more natural to be like, yeah, yeah, okay, uh huh. You know, and I feel like I've um, good and bad here. I I don't do as well with this with Kathleen. Um, mm-hmm. Like you know, after the girls are in bed or something, and I I need to make a lot more concerted effort to to do that better. I feel like I've I've done it better with my girls. You know, um, if they come in the room and I'm on my phone, even if it's work or something, I try just to put it down. You know, mm-hmm. because I tell well, not Sophie so much. I mean, she's you know, not quite four, but, um, like Lila particularly, I'll tell her if I'm, you know, she's on her iPad or something and I, I'm talking to her and she's like, uh, uh-huh, yeah, I'll tell mm-hmm. her. So what you're telling me right now is that whatever you're doing is more important than an actual human being right in front of you. Like, this is what you're saying. She's like, Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. But then I do that with my wife, you know, and it's know. very contradictory and hypocritical, but it's, it's something I absolutely need to work on with her because, mm-hmm. I don't think people mean it this way often, but like with the phone, it feels like there's just kind of like a subtle disrespect, you know? It is. And, and I never intend for it to be that way, but it, that's what it is. You know, yeah. like you're talking to me and I refuse to give you 100% of my intention because of well, this it, thing. I was just, I was just having, um, you know, some patio wine with, which is a thing now. Like that's, that's an patio actual wine. patio wine is like a thing in my life now because nice. I don't sit inside with other people other than my husband. Wine you make on your patio? No, this is wine I drink on my patio. (laughs) It's like a Prudhoe prison situation where you're making (laughs) (laughs) So so patio wine has become uh, my social interaction during during COVID um, for the most part. And I was having patio wine with some girlfriends last night and a couple of them, I was becoming very aware 
And a couple of them were having their phones kind of under the table and they'd be looking down or, you know, they'd just be kind of scrolling through and half listening. And sure, I notice it in myself when somebody points it out, namely Matt, my husband will point out like, you're half listening to it or you're not really listening, right? But it's so evident when you're with people that are doing that and you're the one speaking or you're the one that's like trying to be present and trying to be engaged in this like live interaction with your friends, it suddenly becomes like so obvious that these other people are not really engaged in this conversation or listening. (laughs) So, um, so I think mindfulness works in two ways here. First of all, it's being, you know, the practice of being mindful and present in this Mm -hmm. moment, you know, with live people. A human being. But also being mindful of your own actions and your own engagement in that conversation and how it might make other people feel. So. Right. Well, and so, you know, another aspect of mindfulness that I think fits kind of in the umbrella is that I think, I mean, maybe there's a situation where this isn't true. I can't think of one offhand, but it certainly is the case, I think, probably in all of the, the ways we use mindfulness in our coaching is that when you're mindful, whatever the circumstance, you like there's a more rich experience mm. with less of the experience. You know, like like if you have 10 minutes of a really engaged conversation with someone versus 30 of a not mindful, distracted with phones, that kind of stuff. You're gonna, I think you're going to get more out of that 10 minutes than you do in that 30, you know, and to jump around a bit, I guess, but to, to talk about food a little bit, like when, you know, I have clients who want, you know, like are struggling with like some kind of sweet in the evening. Like I just want, sometimes I just want ice cream, mm-hmm. you know, something I talk with them about a lot is like, have the ice cream, you know, but when you have it, like pay attention, like slow down. Think about what you're, the texture you're feeling. Think about mm-hmm. what you're tasting. Think about how good it is versus just like, here's my bowl of ice cream, you know, but like, like experience it, be mindful with it. And what so many of them say is, 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 you know, they'll be like, yeah, I did that. I didn't eat near as much because I was so much more satisfied on way less, you know, like instead of a bowl, I had two scoops. And I was good because I really fully experienced it. And so less was more satisfying because I was just invested in it. And I think that plays into, I mean, I, maybe there's yeah. a circumstance out there. It doesn't apply. I don't think so. You know, it's just when you're really invested, you just get a lot more out of less. I can think of the, the circumstance where that doesn't apply is when you're sp- when you're fueling for like Ironman or a marathon or a long run. So, so this is something, and I mean, I've just, I've worked with athletes on, you know, there's a time when, when fueling and eating becomes like part of the work, it's part of the job and you just tick the boxes and you just do it. Sure. So that's, that's the only thing I can think of, Michael, but you're, you're totally, um, I love that you brought up mindful eating because I let's like pivot over to that conversation now. Cause that's probably, 
Would you say that's the area that people struggle with most that you work Absolutely. with? Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Um, and we'll do a whole episode on intuitive eating, which mm-hmm. is, it includes eating mindfully, but there's like this whole realm of um, all these principles that, that yeah. uh, apply in intuitive eating. So we're going to, we'll talk about that in another podcast, but um, just for now, I would like to read um, some of this uh, some of the bullet points that I found on the Center for Mindful Eating. Um, there's some great resources on that website. It's just um, tcme.org. And and if you Google search mindful eating or mindful eating principles or practices, you'll find all kinds of cool stuff. But I'll just read to you a few of these bullet points and then we can talk about it because it it basically breaks down everything you just talked about. So allowing yourself to become aware of the positive and nurturing opportunities that are available through food preparation and consumption by respecting your own inner wisdom. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a lot going on there. The two things that, that pop out to me is food preparation and consumption. So that preparation piece, Mm -hmm. that's something that man gets overlooked a lot especially in today's world where we have a lot of convenience foods. We have a lot of like eating straight out of the bag. We have a lot of, um, you know, eating out at restaurants. So that preparation piece is just not there. Mm -hmm. So this is part of it. Um, And we could talk about the health implications about, you know, preparing and making your own food, but it's part of the food experience for sure. Mm -hmm. Respecting your own inner wisdom um, speaks to trusting yourself around Mm -hmm. food, knowing what foods you really like, what foods you don't really like, Mm -hmm. knowing how food interacts in your body. So what foods make you feel better physically, um, trusting that you can stop when you're satisfied, trusting that you can tell when you're hungry, Mm -hmm. all of these things. So, um, yeah, that's, that's one aspect. Yeah. And I, this might pivot a little bit, but I think it fits. So I had this thought, I was on a phone call with a client. It might've been two weeks ago now. And we were just talking through some of this stuff. And I had this thought, you know, I really think that most of the issues we have around mindfulness and eating well and sticking to a program, all that kind of stuff really comes down to trust. Mm. and trusting ourselves huge yeah and i think that's a big part of the the issue for a lot of us is we don't truly trust ourselves to stay invested to to put our health to make our health a top priority and keep it a top priority we don't trust ourselves to follow through and we maybe don't want to you know and so you brought up that trust piece and i think it's i think there's a big part of that i think a lot of what we do maybe not directly absolutely indirectly is begin to help people see that they can trust themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. is like give yourself some proof that you can do this. You can, you can, you can meal prep. You did it before, right? You can do it again, right? You can, you can say no sometimes because you've done it before, or you can have some, but not all right of the whatever, because you've done it before. And I think that trust piece is so huge. And I think that's what a lot of mindfulness is and where maybe some of that internal lack of mindfulness comes from is mm-hmm. I don't trust myself. So I'm not going to put myself in a position where I prove to myself, I can't trust myself. 
Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? Because I've done that so much and it sucks and I hate feeling that way. And so it's just easier in some ways to just not have to like develop that trust with myself or test Mm -hmm. it, you know? Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. Um, so the second, the second bullet point here is choosing to eat food that is both pleasing to you and nourishing to your body by using all your senses to explore, savor, and taste. This is one I find so overlooked in the populations I work with because choosing to eat food that is both pleasing to you and nourishing to your body, people tend to focus on the nourishing part or the the healthy, quote, healthy part, uh, right? This is good spinach, food. Right? Yes. Yeah. What it's was it? Chicken, chicken, brown rice, and broccoli. Wasn't yeah, that that's our? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. It was <laughs> healthy for me. Yeah, my God. It tastes like crap. Um, or like I can think of better ways to make it flavorful. Yeah. So food should be enjoyable, people. And just going back to Michael's ice cream example or sweets, you know, like I, I want sweets in the evening or something. I tell people, eat the real deal. Like don't try and trick yourself with some of these like, hybrid ice creams that are low calorie, low fat. Like if you're, if you want like the real deal, have the real deal Mm -hmm. and enjoy the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, really make it a thing. Sit down with utensils and a bowl and no distractions and eat it and, and feel it in your mouth and taste it and Mm -hmm. appreciate it and look at it as you're kind of like scraping it with your spoon. Like I mean, really immerse yourself in the experience. And this reminds me of a, of a, a client I had where we, she was very focused on like the, I guess the macronutrients in her meals and building the meals out with lots of vegetables, extra mm-hmm. protein and only having, you know, certain portion sizes of whatever. And she was very focused on what I would call kind of the diet mentality that gets mm-hmm. into people. And so I brought this concept of eating mindfully because it seemed to be just the experience of food and actually appreciating and enjoying her meal seemed to just be completely um, absent from her practice. Yeah. So I'm describing it the way I was just describing the ice cream, you know, like, oh, and you know, you'll look at your food and observe the colors and appreciate the textures. And as you're cutting up your, you know, whatever tomatoes to put on your salad, like appreciate that texture and what's happening in them as you're doing that. Mm -hmm. And when you take a bite, chew it, move it around in your mouth, feel the textures and the flavors, what's going on there. You know, how does it feel as it's entering your stomach. Like, I mean, really getting in tune with these bodily sensations. And as I'm describing this to her and like take pauses between bites, <laughs> take some sips of, you know, water or whatever you're drinking with your meal and just really enjoy and like immerse yourself in the experience. She just stops and there's like dead silence for, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds after I explain this. <laughs> She just looks at me uh-huh. in that way where she's like, this lady done lost her mind. <laughs> she goes, so the way you're describing this, it's like I'm going to hear angels sing as I'm eating my salad or what. Like she was completely in disbelief <laughs> and thought I was like Looney Tunes. And I'm like, okay, yeah. so I'm not going to push this on you, but 
I wanted to present this to you so you mm-hmm. can think about it. And even if this whole, everything that I listed, you know, as making it sound like this ethereal experience is not <laughs> your, you know, not your bag. So a few weeks later, she comes to me and she's like, she kind of has this like almost embarrassed smile on her face and she goes, <laughs> so I practice mindful eating. <laughs> and I said, really? How did really? it go? Yeah. Like, and she goes, I totally get what you were saying. Hmm. And I was like, really? And so she described to me, I mean, she still had that. She was kind of laughing to herself as she was doing it, mm-hmm. but she, she, she sort of humored the experience, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to try this. And I'm, and the, one of the bigger parts, and this is the third bullet point is acknowledging responses to food, likes, neutral or dislikes without judgment. She was able to suspend the judgment, which I think was the key for her mm-hmm. and really just be present. And how is this all tasting? And how do I feel? What feelings are happening in me? Am I enjoying this? Is it like so stupid because Aaron told me to do it? Like right. all of these things. <laughs> she really had a great experience with it. And and we had a good laugh and we enjoyed, you know, kind of the humor in the situation. Mm-hmm. But she was like, this changes the way I view food now. That's so awesome. it was really cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. I well, don't think it- Angel sang to her, but she... She tried. (laughs) That'd be kind of weird, wouldn't it? (laughs) Cutting a tomato, slicing a tomato. Oh, I know. (laughs) You're like, am I not supposed to be doing this? Yeah, (laughs) I know. What's happening? (laughs) It's a holy tomato. Yeah. You know, I think, um, so another story. This is like one that, I'm in the middle of because it's actually a conversation I have with the client this morning. Um, so she came to me and had been kind of actively involved in like pretty good restriction, you know, like mm. no sugar, you know, not eating anything that was like super yeah. pleasing and that kind of stuff. And whenever someone comes to me and they've, they've been kind of restricted, I, my approach isn't to go, okay, stop all of that. And let's do something completely different. It's my thought is like, okay, how do we kind of slowly work our way out of this? Because I think the reality is for a lot of people, like the assumption is this has got to be restrictive. It's got to kind of suck. It's going to be hard. Like that's just the way it is. (laughs) Yeah, punishment. Yeah, to jump from that to like, hey, you can eat the things, you know, it's just like, whoa, like I'm I'm not ready for that. So I think a lot of times there's a lot of like, let's take some steps back, you know, and let's just see how we can maybe begin to incorporate some of these things um, without, you know, just totally blowing their minds. So I asked her, I said, so like, what's the thing you've missed the most? Like doing this restrictive thing. She goes, I really just want some pizza. Yeah. She said, I make like a cauliflower, a cauliflower crust one and it's fine. And, but it's not the same. I just want the, da, 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 you know, whatever. And I said, so what if this week, if you plan on having pizza? Okay. And if we approach that situation, you decide what's an appropriate amount for you. Maybe that's two slices, right? And you tell yourself, I'm going to eat this without judgment. I'm going to have made a decision ahead of time about how much I'm going to eat so that I feel comfortable with it. I said, let's make sure you have like a big salad along with it, right? So you're getting some good veggies, Mm -hmm. but you're also fully engaging 
in this moment of eating this pizza. Like I really want you to experience it, taste it, feel it, the textures, the way the cheese is so gooey and good, you know, just how all these elements work together so well and really enjoy it but also have put some, cause I think this is a piece of mindfulness too, is put some thought into it ahead of time of sure. how am I going to make sure that I can walk away from this situation still feeling really good about it, you know? And she was just like, all right, I can do that. And I'm excited to have some pizza, you know, cool. like, yeah. but I think there's, it's kind of like, let's, let's open up the freedom a little bit, maybe still keep some restraints because if it's like, yeah, go have some pizza that's an opportunity I think for a lot of people to go like, okay, I'm going to have pizza and I ate it all. Right. And I just all or nothing kind of thinking I had the pizza. So I'm going to have all the pizza and now I'm a piece of crap because I did the thing. I'm not, you know, all that stuff. Right. Just cycles. Right. So I think sometimes it can be good to have like some constraints or whatever on there mm-hmm. decided ahead of time. So you can go into that situation, you can enjoy it, but you can also still feel like yeah. you're really successful. Some, some structure. Yeah. yeah. Some structure yeah. to it. That's a good and, word. And I like that you pointed out that mindfulness can also be part of the planning Mm -hmm. of the eating and the experience as well. Mm -hmm. So, and you're exactly right. When people come from that, you know, restrictive mindset or, or diet mentality, um, if you suddenly just burst open this world of food on them and just say, go, go hog wild, all of a sudden this disinhibition and that, again, that pattern that they've Mm -hmm. always experienced before, um, so offering some structure and some ideas and really working with right. people to find their own comfort level and their mm-hmm. own boundaries with that. Um, mm-hmm. So, and this speaks, this final bullet point speaks to that learning to be aware mm-hmm. of physical hunger and satiety um, to guide your decision to begin eating and to stop eating. So I always remind people, I work with a lot of people that have kids and I'm like, can you overfeed or underfeed a baby? Like, have you ever known? It's really hard to do yeah. because they let you know, like babies, we're all born with this ability right. Right. to determine when we're hungry, how much we should eat and to self-regulate. Mm-hmm. It's when we become older um, through childhood and then into the adult years where we have these external cues that are telling us right. when to eat, how much to eat. Oh, that smells good. Oh, that person's eating. Oh, I'm not really hungry, but I'm I'm feeling emotional needs, all this other stuff. So those are the things that muddle those mm-hmm. physical hunger and satiety cues. But I remind people, you can always get back to those cues and really listen to them. They're still there. It might take some practice right. for you to acknowledge them and to, to interpret them properly, um, especially if you've come from a disordered eating background or if you have experienced severe restriction with weight loss attempts and different things. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where mindfulness can really help with that is checking in with your body. And I'll use scales with people like a one to 10 scale, just mm-hmm. a simple like Again, this isn't a judgmental, should I be hungry? Should I be full by now? I shouldn't eat more. None of the should and all that judgment stuff. Let's just really acknowledge and listen to what your body is telling you and those cues. Right. Because you said, I think those cues are always happening. It's just Mm -hmm. about our ability to hear them and interpret them and understand them. And that takes practice. You know, it's not like, you know, when someone says, well, I never, I never feel hungry, you know, um, I think most often it's, well, no, you don't know what a hunger cue is. 
and how to tune into it, you know, or how to listen to it or listen for it. You know, it's not that you don't feel hungry. I think you're most of the time people's bodies are communicating to them. We just don't know what, yeah. what does hunger feel like? Or I've, I've avoided it so long and just gone by whatever other cues, time or stress or whatever to guide my eating that I just, mm-hmm. I just even don't know what to look for, you know? And so I think that can take some time to reconnect with and to be able to interpret again, but I think they're there. You know, I don't yeah. think it's that they go away. It's just that we just, it's buried. It's so under so much right. other stuff. We can't hear it. Right. Yeah. So what do you do with just switching again to mindfulness and exercise? Mm-hmm. Um, what's your approach there since you primarily work with a lot of people with exercise programs and, um, you know, physical movement, um, Mm -hmm. engagement, I guess. And, and that kind of thing. What's your approach to mindfulness with physical activity? Um, so in the moment, I think there's, um, I, I talk a lot about what I want people to be feeling with a certain exercise, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it's a little bit different, like online, you know, doing distance coaching, but like in person, I tell clients, like when I first meet them, like, listen, I'm, I'm a pretty hands-on guy, you know, are you comfortable with that? (laughs) Cause Mm -hmm. I like to poke and prod a little bit, you know, like if I want you feeling something between your shoulder blades, like I want to put my fingers there and like connect here, like mentally feel this moving, you know? Um, so that people, because it's easy for people to go through, strength training movements exercises and just think sort of like uh just think of the movement as this comprehensive thing right like oh i'm bringing my i'm rowing so i'm just bringing my arm to my side this is what i'm doing versus like what muscles are contracting where are you feeling that squeeze and when people can begin to feel that kind of thing and kind of increase that you know mind muscle connection and can feel contractions um, I think that in and of itself just really puts people in the moment because now I'm paying attention to every single repetition, you sure. know, every rep I'm looking for, there's that, there's that squeeze, there's that squeeze, there, you know, over and over yeah. and over. And you uh, probably, sorry uh, to sure. cut you off, but you probably see a, a difference in their form mm. too, oh, right? Absolutely. When they start really thinking about mm-hmm. which muscles I'm trying to engage, or this is like my spatial awareness of mm-hmm. what limb I'm exercising. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then their endurance for an exercise and their strength for an exercise, you know, because when you really cue into what specifically is being worked here, what's performing the work, what's moving the load, um, a lot of times you can do more, you know, versus just sort of this, my body's doing this thing you know, um, and it's, yeah, you just, you can get, tend to get a lot more out of it, just like other things with mindfulness, right? When you're really mindful, <laughs> you get a lot more out of it, you know? Um, so I think that in and of itself is just, is, you know, probably one of the biggest things I do for exercise is just be paying attention to this. Think about this, feel this, experience this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can relate to that a lot just with my training for triathlon, you mm-hmm. know, um, those mental cues that I would give myself for running form or, you know, doing big work, big gear work on the bike Mm -hmm. where you have low cadence, but it really requires a lot of strength in Mm -hmm. your glutes, your hamstrings, your, you know, your quads, everything. Um, and also your upper body to brace Mm -hmm. that, to kind of counter that like tension Mm -hmm. you're putting on the pedals. Um, 
I would use, and then swimming, oh my gosh, like that's so technique driven that I, <laughs> I would, I'd really have to be mindful <laughs> swimming. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think uh, with movement, you know, it, it definitely can help with, with form and the overall quality of the workout. I also think it can help, like I kind of alluded to before, um, it can, in an odd way, help you through some of the pain or the mm-hmm. discomfort that you're feeling in that moment if you are mm-hmm. doing like a hard workout or, mm-hmm. or you're on that final few reps or something mm-hmm. and it's really challenging. Um, really tuning back into what is my body feeling in this moment? What, am, what are my thoughts in this exact moment? Not worrying about that third rep that you have to get in or that final interval right. that you have to get in. But like, I'm here right now. What can I do to give my very best right now in this moment? Yeah. That's a really powerful um, way to think about Absolutely. physical activity too. Absolutely. It's, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had clients come into a session and just feel like I'm not up for this today. I don't I'm not know. up for this mm-hmm. entire hour. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's not worry about the entire hour. Let's, let's, let's focus on this one set. Yeah. And let's see how it goes. Start you know, somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Because then that's that living in the future, the anxiety of like, I just, I'm not up for all this today. And maybe someone's not, and that's fine. You know, if you're not, you're not. But a lot of times just that being mindfulness, it, we're able to do a lot more because, okay, I'm just going to focus on this. I can get this wrap done. I can do one more set. I can do that. And then after that, okay, I can, I can do one more. I can't yeah. tell you how many times like <laughs> I've had people just like with such resignation in your voice, be like their voice, be like, all right, I can do another set or yeah, I can go up and wait. Like, yeah, I'm capable of more than I was giving myself credit for right. because once you're just in the moment and doing that and take these little bite-sized pieces, it's like, yeah, okay, I can do more. I'm capable yeah. of more. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you're taking it all into consideration, no way, I can't do any of this. It's too overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's a metaphor for for life, right? For, for any of that stuff. For a lot of things. For a lot so of things. So I think um, one of the cool things about really hard physical activity and training is I do think that there can be kind of a meditative effect. So when mm-hmm. people hear mindfulness in exercise, I think they tend to think yoga or Tai Chi or you know something that's like super relaxing and kind of turning into this quiet meditation, which I do think there's a lot of value in those practices. I have also learned that if I'm present in the moment, even with the really hard stuff, that can serve in the same capacity as being present and mindful, even if it's like physically just this grueling activity that I'm in the middle of, Mm -hmm. um, that can have the same positive effects. Oh yeah. I think mindfulness yeah, I think it's often kind of like looked at as, like you said, you know, it's like yeah. this Zen state of peaceful. I think there's another side to mindfulness, kind of like you're talking about, that develops grit, you yeah. know, and the ability to grind of mm-hmm. just like, okay, one foot in front of the other, literally. Like mm-hmm. I can do, I, this task is hard, but if I take this one step, literally one step at a time, I can do this. And I think that grit and ability to grind and to, to persevere through something that's hard as a really important thing to develop, you know, to know like, okay, this sucks, but I can do this. I'll survive it. I'm going to be fine, you know, versus just like, oh, I can't do this anymore. You know, whatever it's, I think there's a, there's a a more dirty, gritty side to mindfulness that we often don't think about, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And um, something that 
was in my workout. I'm doing this training plan for Rebecca's private Idaho, the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, remote virtual version. And there was a note in the training plan today after a workout that said, take five minutes after this workout and just appreciate what you have done. Like just take a moment and Mm. feel how your body feels and um, think about what you've just done and kind of reflect on where you are right now and how that feels. And it was really cool because I have done this throughout my, you know, career and, and in a lot of ways, just really appreciating, oh my gosh, my body just did that for me. Or, you know, it feels really good to be done with those things. And mm-hmm. here I am now in this moment. Um, but it was a nice reminder to mm-hmm. just appreciate where you've come that has brought you to, to right now. Right. Yeah. Well, and there's, I mean, yeah, again, you know, I, I've had so many clients It just, once you're done, it feels so good. I mean, mm-hmm. one, there's that accomplishment of I did it, but mm-hmm. two, I just think like when you, when you pay attention to your body for a minute after a workout, you're just like, I think our bodies want to work. Yeah. You know? Don't you feel so alive? I'm just like, yeah. And I'm you just alive. Feel like, yeah. There's just this feeling of, yeah, alive and accomplishment, but just also like, I think our bodies just, they want to perform hard tasks. Mm-hmm. you know, and we avoid that so much. Like I think, you know, I, I think we've even talked about that. Maybe this could be a, a whole separate podcast topic and maybe it will, but just like we seek convenience so often and the easy yeah. way out. And how can I make this easy that we just don't engage in a lot of struggle, you know, mm-hmm. physically. Um, and I just think, I think our bodies are unhappy doing that. You know, I think our bodies want to work. And when they do, yeah. it's just, I mean, there's chemically, there's a lot of things that happen, but there's also just this like, yeah, I'm doing what my body is made to do. You know, I mean, we have all these bones and ligaments and stuff that do things for a reason. It's not to sit on the couch and, you know, watch Netflix. It's to perform hard tasks, you yeah. know, and I think our bodies like doing that. It just feels I good. Agree. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, mindfulness in the little everyday life things. We, we talk about this a little bit in our meaning in the mundane Mm -hmm. segment, but, um, some things for me would be, uh, playing with my cat Mm -hmm. or, you know, just like having morning time. Like he's the first thing I see Matt still asleep usually when I, when I wake up. (laughs) So I have time with my cat in the morning. Um, I, I am out in my garden sometimes. And so just being like present and appreciating Mm -hmm. what's happening there and watching the little critters, um, in the garden. Uh, it's much easier for me to be mindful when I'm outside and to be present. I think because I just fully immerse myself in the sounds and the smells and, you know, the feeling of the breeze and whatever, you know, um, yeah. So I think there are a lot of things you can do or, um, if I'm like, say I'm running errands or something, sometimes I'll have a tendency to like have my phone out when I'm in line uh, waiting for something. Or if I'm walking to somewhere and I'm at a stoplight right. and I'll kind of pull out my phone. Um, so I've made this conscious effort to just like be present right now, like leave the phone in wherever and just look at what's, you know, what's happening around you and observe mm-hmm. your surroundings and observe mm-hmm. what you're, you know, where you're yeah. at right now. It's a, yeah. it's kind of cool to take those ordinary, you know, moments and daily things and just really immerse yourself and make it a thing that you're focusing on. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And I think it, it gives us a chance to think, you know, mm-hmm. and I think, I think um, <laughs> we don't spend enough time just kind of sitting with our thoughts, you know, because we are so, if we're not watching something or talking to someone, we're engaged here. And maybe we're responding to things we see, you know, it's like, oh, this makes me angry or this makes me happy or whatever. But like, we're not just sitting with ourselves and giving ourselves a chance to just experience being us, you know, and be bored even, you know, like we've got to be like so engaged all the time. And if we're bored for a second, it's like, oh, entertain me. (laughs) No, but I've noticed that when I allow myself to be bored, you know, like if I, you know, go to the bathroom and I don't take my phone or if I'm, you know, sitting doing something like I I don't have to have something on or whatever. Like when I give myself a chance to be bored and just think like I come up with some cool ideas, you know, and, or I think about, you know, like how I want to be a better dad or a better, you know, husband or things for work or, you know, this kind of stuff. And it just, and I feel like I get to know myself a little bit better. And I think that's where a lot of like dissatisfaction or lack of contentment comes with from for people is we we're just living in the past or living in the future. And I know for me in those times, in fact, I shared it last week or two weeks ago about, you know, just, I was just pissed and mad about my ceiling leaking and what was going to cost and da da da. And there was that day where Kathleen said to me, like, be done with work. Yeah. You're you're done now. Put it away and go do something with the girls. And that's one instance, but that's happened a lot. When I, when I step out of that stress or that anxiety and I fully engage in something in the moment, it doesn't solve those things. Holy crap. Do I feel better? And I think when we spend more time just being in the moment, there's something that really takes away that discontentment and that, that unhappiness, not all of it by any means, but there really is something centering about Mm -hmm. just paying attention to what's going on right now in front of you. And it really does kind of do away with a lot of those anxieties and stressors and that kind of stuff. And I think we just, we spend so little time actually engaged in the moment that we're just living with stress and anxiety all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when I think back to the topics we've covered today, I think like, you know, socially being mindful is more engaging with, with the people around you and mm-hmm. the present conversation and showing those people that, that they matter. Um, being mm-hmm. mindful with eating is, you know, recognizing and nourishing your body in ways, not just with the nutrient composition of the food, but the right. flavor and the um, enjoyment and, and savoring it. Um, and even being present with your family at that mm-hmm. meal and sharing a meal together, being present with physical activity or exercise, you know, there's a lot of talk with, especially in elite sport with engaging in the process instead of mm-hmm. the outcome. And we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you pointed out, like helping people really break down some of the hard tasks into um, meaningful, intentional, like I can do one more rep or I can do one more set kind of thing. Um, and, you know, helping with like form and all of these other things to be present there. And then with those little daily things, I find that time just slows down mm-hmm. and just giving my brain a break from all of the like rat race you know, ideas and things that are, that are in my Mm -hmm. head. Um, 
it doesn't necessarily mean that that all goes away and suddenly you right. stop thinking about those things. It's almost like you just don't dwell on them as much. Like you're not just, there's no judgment attached to it. And I think that's one of the biggest things about being mindful yeah. in any space is that what, what you're thinking or feeling comes and goes and you acknowledge it, but you don't necessarily dwell on it or judge it or, you know, react right. to it in a, in a certain way. So right. yeah, lots of, lots of benefits. Yeah. Well, and it also I mean, just, oh, so I was gonna say, go it, just, it gives you a, a, a break from it. I mm. mean, there, there are a lot of things that you're probably going to feel stress and anxiety about throughout the week and yeah. maybe in very valid ways. But if you, if you just sit with those a hundred percent of the time, like it just cycles and everything gets worse. But mm-hmm. if, you know, if, if you're with those things, but you step out of that and you engage in a moment, it's like you get a break from that. So you aren't feeling that all the time, you know, and if, if you have another moment in the day and if you have these moments throughout the day, it's like you don't, you aren't just sitting with this stuff and it's not just getting heavier. It's you get to step out of it and be like, okay, I feel good. I feel like I've shed yeah. that for a little bit and maybe I'm going to put it back on later on, you know, but like mm-hmm. I've had a break and I've got to like feel that, the, that weight come off me a little bit and, and focus on some other things. And then I found a lot of times when I step into those mindful moments, I come back to those stressors or anxieties with a clearer head and sometimes some solutions on how to handle it. Yes. Because I've, I've just absolutely. gotten so bogged down. It's all I see is the issue and there's no solutions mm-hmm. where I take a break, step away, I come back. It's like, oh, you know, if I did this, that might help, you know, yeah. or maybe I could try this. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of opens your brain up to some different modes of thinking and, and different possibilities yeah. that, you, even that some you wouldn't have seen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Versus exactly. none at all. Instead of just being <laughs> mad at what's right. happening. Yeah. Everything's um, terrible. <clears throat> have you ever tried those apps like Calm or Headspace? I haven't, but I have some clients that have. Um, mm-hmm particularly calm. I don't think any of them have tried Headspace that I know of. Yeah. But I've had four or five probably that have tried calm and really like it a lot. lot. I've tried a couple. Yeah. I've tried a couple um, different features in both of those apps because I, it's something that I will suggest to clients, but then I'm like, how can I suggest this if I've never really tried it? (laughs) So I I'll go in there and, and play around with some of those. Some of them are guided meditations. I've had like stories, like a, a calming voice just kind of reads you a story that sort of takes you into a different, you know, realm. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, honestly, it doesn't really matter how you, make space for that mindful moment. It's making the space for it and being truly present. So those apps are a great way to Mm -hmm. help you do it. You can Mm -hmm. also, I mean, we've talked about several other things, whether it's engaging with a pet, engaging with a friend, getting outside in nature, um, you know, just laying with your eyes closed and focusing on your breath and taking Mm -hmm. like multiple deep breaths and really focusing Mm -hmm. on that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think journaling could be something that that yep. really brings you into a mindful you know yep. state so yep. i yeah. think too one i've used before with clients and myself is just acknowledging where you are you know like yeah. what am i hearing what am i seeing what am i smelling what am i feeling you know just like really kind of like you were talking about with food earlier just like what are all the things i'm experiencing right now because that takes you out of the past or the future and brings you to right now And, and there's really something powerful in that just fully experiencing the moment you're in. 
-hmm. You know, it seems like, I mean, I get why people would think it's silly. I get why people would think that it, um, it's not going to do anything. I a hundred percent get it, but I also know a hundred percent it's really, really helpful. <laughs> and you're wrong if you feel yeah. that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michael's right. You're wrong. You're wrong, and I'm right. <laughs> so, I I would love to hear from our listeners and viewers if you give this a try, and especially if it's something new that you mm-hmm. have not. Um, really bought into before, or if you're trying a new method of it, like if you try an app or if you try, you know, something in your next workout session or whatever, um, let us know because I'm always looking for ways to share this with, with my clients too. I mean, I have my ways of engaging in a mindfulness practice, but there are so many ways that people find are effective. So, Mm -hmm. so let us know. Yeah. Love, love to love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? I don't think so. You put a pretty good recap there just a minute ago. That was. I'm good at that. A good recapper. Not a kneecapper. Organizational. (laughs) He's not a Tanya Hardy. (laughs) (laughs) I think those were the shins. Maybe she hit their kneecaps. I don't know. Did you ever watch that? uh, The movie? What is it? I Tanya or something like that? I didn't. But I, I do remember as a kid when that happened. Yeah. And my dad got um, Sports Illustrated. And I remember the cover of Sports Illustrated for that week or month, whatever, however it came out, was Nancy Kerrigan, like just like with her face, like uh, like in agony and pain. And the, the, the title, a heading or whatever on the cover of the magazine was Why Me? I was like, yes. Man. Oh, man. A rough situation. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> we've, we've derailed so far from our topic, but That's okay. All right. That's all right. I do remember the whole Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding thing and watching the movie, I, Tanya, I think that's what it's called uh, with Margot Robbie is, I mean, it's like a train wreck because you're really watching, it's a dramatization of Tanya Harding's life. So, you know, you can't take everything for how it's presented, but it really does make you just go, whoa. I mean, this, this gal had some rough, rough spots. Seemed like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so meaning in the mundane, you got one. Um, do you want uh, me to go no, first? No, so no, you I can did think have of one. Yours? No, I did have one. I just, I just lost. It. I promise I had one and I just lost it. Oh, I know what it was. Yes. Okay. Okay. I promise I had one. Um, see, I can be responsible sometimes. <laughs> so this was actually just yesterday. Uh, how'd it come about? I made a post. Uh, about um because you know i'm a type 1 diabetic uh so yesterday about just diabetes and exercise and yeah i saw that post good kind one. of you know some stuff from some studies on it's just really critical like if you're diabetic you need to be moving like it's there's a mm-hmm. bunch of reasons why um i won't get into those but you need to be moving and so you know i just put a post up and 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 then typically you know like when you get a a comment from someone. Um, it's something, it's awesome. Something usually along the lines of, you know, Oh, I completely agree. Or this is great. Or thanks for sharing this, which is wonderful. But yesterday I got a, um, a comment from a lady. That I don't know. I guess, you know, um, but she, she just said something to the effect of like, I just listened to episode one of middle-ish. And like she said, I literally gasp or my jaw dropped or whatever. When Aaron said, you're a type one diabetic and she was just like, and I, you know, I'm learning to like 
manage this through exercise and like just like this excite exciting thing wow. about um like hey you too you know yeah and i just it was just it seemed like from her perspective it was this cool thing about you know like whenever you have find someone who has something in common especially with i've noticed like in the diabetic community like if there's someone else who's a type 1 diabetic it's like oh cool hey we share this kind of yeah weird chronic disease, you know, in common. And that's kind of cool, you know, to find someone else does that. But for me, it was just cool because I got the little notification of like, oh, comment on Instagram, you know, and I go into that thinking like, oh, it's going to be like, great post, cool. Thanks for sharing, you know, whatever. But it's this, it's, it's this really meaningful moment for someone that turned into a meaningful mm-hmm. moment for me because it's like, yay for me there's there's another one out there you know that we've yeah. connected now and and it was just it was a really cool surprise to hop on social media you know after seeing that notification have it being something that was just like really really meaningful and it felt good cool yeah, yeah we i i would say we need more moments like that involving mm-hmm. social media these days where it's a positive experience when you get on there right <laughs> That's cool though. That's a cool connection to make and just shows that the value in sharing uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that, you know, you could share 10 or 20 posts like that and suddenly one will just land Mm -hmm. and in the right spot for someone Mm -hmm. else. And that's a cool feeling. Yep. It really is. Good. So Matt and I have a hummingbird feeder outside our window where we eat dinner and Lately, I don't know if this has been like, you know, getting into gardening or whatever, but I have become fascinated with the little critters and, and just the, the wild creatures around me and the bugs and the, you know, just learning, like, I'll just have questions Mm -hmm. like, I wonder why this happens or whatever. And I saw this hummingbird that was eating out of the feeder and I'm like, how do they drain the feeder so fast? I mean, their beaks are so tiny. Their bodies are so tiny. And yes, we have frequent visitors to our feeder, but man, how much can they drink at a time? And how do they get, do they have a tongue that comes out of the beak or do they suck it up in the beak? Like I had all these questions. So Matt pulls out his phone. Yeah, of course. Which is the one time, the one time that we will allow phones at the dinner table is if it's part of our dinner conversation and it's almost like it's pulling out the, you know, Encyclopedia Britannica of like That was my family growing up. That was my family. Like we had the dictionary encyclopedia out like most meals because we're just like, I wonder why that is the way it is. Yeah, I totally get that. So he found this super cool video of this hummingbird and how it eats nectar out of a flower and this scientist basically uh where did he live somewhere in south america mm-hmm. and studies hummingbirds and he he basically made a fake flower with some nectar in it and then he cut a hole in the side and then put this camera to watch so when the hummingbird comes up to the fake flower you can mm-hmm. see what's happening on the inside and hummingbirds have this multi-pronged tongue has four prongs on it and when the tongue goes in to the nectar it has these um like tendrils hanging off of it that grab the fluid and the sugar and zips it back into the mouth and their tongues can move at the same speed as their wings holy crap So that's how they drain that so quickly and it's like multiple I mean I don't know they can like drain 10 mils or something within seconds. I mean, it's wild. And so we're watching this video 
and my face is just like, I'm just like looking at Matt, like, this is so cool. And I just felt like a kid again, like learning about, you know, I remember doing little, you know, reports and whatever on wildlife when you're growing up, but having these questions as an adult and then just being so fascinated with like watching this video, I was totally like, this is, (laughs) I mean, it's something so like every day, like, oh, I wonder what the hummingbird is doing, but I'm watching this going, that is so rad. And it just gave me this whole new appreciation of not only learning about wildlife, um, but also just the like those revelations in that moment. So mm-hmm. it was super cool. That's awesome. Hummingbirds are rad. They're like the coolest they are. birds. Yeah. Yeah. They're very cool birds. It always feels really special when you see one. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, I'll like get the girls to like go, come, come here, come here, it's a hummingbird, hummingbird. I know. I don't know why, well, but so it just they is. Buzz, they, our hummingbird feeder is hung sort of behind us if we're sitting on our front patio and they will literally just like hover over our heads and it sounds like a drone. It's like, like right over your head. You can't even see their wings almost. It's wild. Like a yeah. Blur. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. very cool. Did you know that they, um, so cool. they represent like love and happiness and good luck? <gasps> I didn't, yeah. but now that I know that, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. They're good little birds. Cool. So thank you everyone for listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you Thanks very much. for the conversation, partner. Yeah, that was good. Uh, I would like to tack on to your, uh, if you try some mindfulness techniques, let us know. Also, we would love to hear like your meaning in the mundanes. If you guys Ooh, have yeah. some, like, man, you know, maybe next time or in a couple of weeks, we can even share some of them. Um, I would love to hear, or we would love to hear from you guys about uh, some of those. I know some of you have shared like, like I have a couple of clients that have shared with me, you know, particularly I know, I think some of with Aaron too, but like, you know, send those to our middle-ish email so we can both um, kind of read those. And we would love to see how you're pulling out some, some meaning and having some mindfulness and just these seemingly kind of mundane, ordinary, everyday moments. Yeah. So that's middleish at gmail.com. Yeah. And right. uh, you all have a good week. Okay. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.